Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. On this episode of the podcast, we will talk about how member organizations of the Construction Industry Institute benefit from participation CI committees and how it has impacted their work. Today, we are joined by Walt Tanako, who serves as the director for the Smithsonian Office of Planning, Design, and Construction. He is also chair of the CII Facilities and Healthcare Committee. Prior to his role at the Smithsonian, Walt was a program manager at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers headquarters and the chief of military project management for the Mobile District, which had a $400 million per year program in the Southeast. Walt also proudly served as a major in the U.S. Army. Walt holds a Bachelor of General Engineering from the U.S. Military Academy West Point and a Master's of Geotechnical Engineering from the University of Illinois. He also holds a LEED certification for new construction and has been recognized for many achievements during his tenure. Welcome, Walt. To begin, we are interested in hearing more about your role at the Smithsonian. Thank you, Mona. Uh, so as the deputy for Smithsonian facilities, I uh, have a lot of hats, but like everybody else, uh, one of them is I'm also the director for the Office of Planning, Design, and Construction. So we have 19 museums and nine research centers and a zoo and about 6,000 employees and 6,000 volunteers. And we're, we go everywhere from Boston to Hawaii because we have astrophysical observatories also and things like that. And uh, so we have a lot of our time is spent programming and trying to think of how to support the 640 different facilities we support. Uh, and we get a budget from Congress, but we also get donations and things like that. So, but of course, like everybody else, we don't get all the money we need. So we spend a lot of time prioritizing all these facilities. And what I use uh, Construction Industry Institute for is I, and I try to get the 84 people in the Office of Planning, Design and Construction uh, involved with anything that uh, Construction Industry Institute does uh, to try and help make every single dollar go as further as far as possible. So we, I've concentrated since uh, about five years ago, we all sat down and we said, we got to reorganize. And I gave them some guidelines to reorganize so we'd be more efficient. And uh, there was really three basic guidelines. One was I wanted better quality. Another was I wanted to put more emphasis on pre-project planning. And the third was I wanted innovation. And I pointed out all the different things that Construction Industry Institute was doing in research and all the best practices as a basis for this reorganization. And we did. And uh, one of the first things we did was uh, we started from zero and we front end, uh, front end planning was a big thing as one of the best practices in Construction Industry Institute. We read all the research. Uh, we looked at all the things we could do with the amount of money and amount of people we had. And uh, we ended up developing a, what we call a facilities investment cost engineering group. We actually took people from other groups and, and created this group. And it was based on the front end planning 
Uh, I can't remember what research topic it was, but there was a beautiful one in, uh, in, in the Construction Industry Institute uh, research area that really lays out what front-end planning requirements are, should be used as a basis. So we, we call it pre-project planning. Okay. And we actually have, uh, we, we invented, we looked at all the different federal agencies around here and we invented a uh, system, a reporting system to go with it that would support the front-end planning criteria from uh, CII. Uh, so we created a reporting system and we also created a facility project handbook based on the reporting system with milestones uh, and gates. So you can't go past starting pre-project planning without a gate. You know, you have to have the budget's open schedule. So uh, it really was a step-by-step -step process to do this pre-project planning based on uh, CI. And it was pretty easy once we, we went back and looked at what we had. And we still look at all the pre-project planning or front-end planning from CI to do this. Along with that, however, I said, you know, that's not good enough. We got to do other things too. And we, we had always had the PDRI, the Project Definition Rating Index, as one of our criteria for projects over $5 million. To, to, we started looking at risk, and that was how PDRI helped us. We said, hey, you know, PDRI is a, a good measure of risk. So we started looking at other factors to, to build up the PDRI. Uh, and so we started doing risk analysis. And we looked again in uh, CII at all the things that had anything to do with risk. And we settled on uh, sensitivity analysis, uh, which is a form of risk evaluation. So uh, that's another one. Uh, another one I required them to do was I wanted to see some benchmarking. I wanted to see some metrics. Uh, so we started looking at the CII benchmarking database. Uh, it's sort of evolved. Uh, we now have a couple people on the current uh, benchmarking initiative that CII is going through. They're uh, updating the software and the way of gathering metrics. And really, the reason why I'm so interested in putting people on that committee is because I want it set up so that when it's set up in CII, I can easily download uh, any data from here into the CII database, which will make it a lot easier to pull it out of the CII database with everybody else's. Uh, and because right now, as you know, many times you, you try to put data in a system, well, it takes five or six hours to find the data and then put it in a format and then get it into the database. Uh, so I'm trying to stay ahead of the game here and it's great to be able to have CII doing this because it gives me a, a basis for all my benchmarking. The other thing we did was I had one of my guys was on a research team. He came back and told me how that they did a lessons learned research. I can't remember what the RT number was for that, and I, but I, he gave me the booklet. I read it. I said, you know what, Jim? We need a lessons learned committee and we need to do this right here. So we did that. He created that from scratch, and I can't tell you how much emotion and uh, 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 enthusiasm there is for lessons learned around here. Uh, we have, out of 84 people, people try to get on that committee because everybody has a lesson they want to get out, and it's, it's really turned into a great thing. We have a lessons learned minute. At, uh, you know how you have safety minutes? Yeah. But we have, a, we have a lessons learned minute at most of our meetings. So it's... Uh, oh. 
it's really taken off. Uh, and it, and it say, for example, one of the first lessons was why do we specify uh, certain you know th kinds of three different kinds of paint at the Natural History Building? Whenever we renovate the building, they always want to paint the walls, right? Right. But, well, the first thing that happens is we, we award the project, and the first thing that happens is that we have a fifty thousand dollar change order because the people at Natural History want a certain manufacturer. They only accept one manufacturer of paint. And we said, why don't we just, duh, lessons learned, let's spec that, you know, let's get a sole source authority and let's spec that paint. And we put that in the lessons learned. So now instead of uh, an architect engineer firm, every time we do a design at Natural History, we have them put in there, sole source, that kind of paint. And it saved me $50,000 for every project. <laughs> uh, so the way I look at it, the lessons learned takes us some time and effort. If I can save $50,000 on every single project, and we have lots of projects, maybe over a year, that's half a million, million dollars I've saved just by lessons learned. Wow. I think it's paid for itself. So uh, it, it's just uh, kind of neat to have the Construction Industry Institute uh, best practices all laid out for you, all the research all the, the knowledge base, you know, we're going through another, we, we're on the facility healthcare committee. Uh, the knowledge base reviews are really paying off because just by doing that with three or four people and other people on the committee, but three or four people from Smithsonian, they decided they went to one of my deputies and said, you know, we need a best practices committee. So we've uh, created a best practices committee about six months ago. And what the first thing they did was they went through the best practices that CII has to see which one they wanted to concentrate on. So that's how I, I'm telling you, it's just, it's great to have some kind of focus around here and, and it, it makes a difference to the morale and uh, what direction we're going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Walt, I would say that uh, your organization sends one of the largest uh, contingencies or, or numbers of people out to the annual conference every year. So uh, it sounds like uh, high engagement, high engagement on the committees. And even at the CII DC Next Gen Connect uh, meeting yesterday too, uh, even despite having a large internal meeting, unfortunately at the same time, we still had uh, folks who worked with you attend. So um, it's fantastic. Uh, well, I do have one question um, for, for the implementation on some of the reporting that you put into place, how long, you said it was very easy to do once you got started, but how long did that project actually take? About three years. And, and the reason was uh, I, I was in the Corps of Engineers for about many, many years, many decades. And we would spend, oh, there's 41 districts in the Corps and they're all, all of them are wonderful. Uh, we spent about a million dollars a year trying to create uh, and that was times 41, trying to create a reporting system. <laughs> and so I was uh, very involved in that. And so when I came over here, I said, uh, we don't have $41 million. <laughs> so uh, go out and look. Go out and look at the Corps of Engineers. Go out and look at the Navy Facilities Command. Go out and look at NASA. Go out and look at the, you know all the other different agencies and see if we can uh, – borrow their system or create something based on their system. And we did that. We took the best parts of everything. Uh, we looked at uh, NCII. We looked at what should be 
reported, you know, some basic ideas, you know, like uh, cost, cost growth, time growth, uh, how many square feet you, you need, you know, how many, what your cost estimates, uh, how do they change from uh, pre-project planning to when you award a project or to when you're done with constructing the project. So we used all that data and we, we uh, took a basis. It turned out that the Office of Management and Budget had a pretty good system uh, that we used as a basis and we built on that and created uh, a lot more than that. We call it FRED, which is the uh, Facilities Requirements Database. Uh, we put that E in there because it's an E database. It's all, it's all digital. In a, so that's, it took us about three years. We're still evolving. Every year we do enhancements, that's what we call them, uh, or changes. Uh, so right now, for example, based on I want more benchmarking, I want more metrics, I said, okay, I want you to take, when we do the pre-project planning, at the very beginning, you're supposed to get a budget, scope, and schedule. I want to know what the budget is at the beginning. I want to know what the budget is at the end of pre-project planning. How does it compare to the budget at 35% design, 100% design, and then when the project is done, be under construction. And you know what? We have some projects already that have all that data. So it, 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 that's why I say it's taken about three years because you start a project, most of our projects go two or three, four years. Right. And what is the average cost of these projects as well? Or rather, what's the range of the in cost of projects? Well, our program is it's not a big one. Uh, we and we feel very fortunate to get the funds from Congress uh, that we get. We we have a, a capital program of about a last year we got three hundred million dollars. Uh, right now we're going through the renovation of the Air and Space Museum, which is a pretty large museum, and it got about 190 of that 300 million dollars. So there's around 110 million dollars for the entire rest of the uh, Smithsonian for capital, and that's about uh, 40 projects, and they range maybe three or four of them are five million dollars or more. Uh, the rest of them are all less than. Uh, five million dollars usually maybe a million and a half each so you, you we would do things like uh air handling units you know natural history has 44 it's it's got two million square feet it's got 44 air handling units so we can't renovate natural history in one day one year so we split it up by zones of air handling units and each air handling unit's probably about a million bucks. So we would do a million and a half dollar job to renovate or replace an air, you know, and that's how we do it. Out at the zoo, uh, we're doing a birdhouse. We're renovating this historic structure, uh, and that's $30 million. So they go, they range up and down. Uh, rarely do we have projects like the Air and Space Museum, which is a $480 million job. Uh, we just finished building the African American History and Culture Museum for $550 million. That was a seven and eight million dollar, eight year job. So we range everywhere from $250,000 a year to usually 30 million a year, uh, every year. Wow. And that's, that's our capital program. Now we also have a maintenance program because as you know, from all your research at CII, and as we know, because we work in this, you got to have a life cycle cost, right? Yeah. And so that's what that was the other thing I, I started. I just started doing that when, when the facility and healthcare committee got 
uh, created. I, we, the very first thing we talked about in that committee was life cycle costs. And it started clicking in my head. It says, why are we making this a formal thing? So I came back and I said, okay, we got to start life cycle costs in all of our projects. Um, so we started trying to in integrate the entire maintenance group, which is another 800 people who do maintenance and uh, operations and getting their offices so that, hey, look, we're not just throwing the keys up in the air anymore when we're done with a project, when we're done building a project, we're, we're giving you the keys. We're, so we started integrating assets, asset management. So our FRED system, now, uh, for example, an air handler is an asset, you know, and it's gotta have maintenance done every year, right? right. So we put that asset now from our FRED system automatically goes into the facility center system so that we can make sure all the data they need to do maintenance over the next 20 years is automatically uploaded into their system. They can start, uh, they've already started doing this on, on a lot of things. They can start programming their, their work orders for doing maintenance. I know it sounds weird to talk about capital, but capital and maintenance are linked. If you don't do your maintenance, your capital program is going to go up and you're not going to have enough money. And then you're not going to have enough money to do maintenance. Exactly. So, so that's what we, that's another benefit of, of, you know, you have, you're on a facility healthcare committee or any one of our committees in CII, you get these great ideas and sometimes they actually work. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Yeah, <laughs> <with> you, Mona. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's always good to hear that, and it's uh, you know it's a repository of a lot of information. And I think these these lessons learned and the, these quick hit podcasts that we're trying to do will will illustrate what different member companies can can take advantage of and and benefit from. And these are excellent examples and the level of engagement is high, but it sounds like the payoff is also high from involvement with CII. So that's great to hear. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I probably talk too much about CII here, but we have like a couple of few years ago, we started sending, we had been sending one person a year to the executive leadership uh, program. Uh, I was in the very first year of the, that the program started. That tells you how old I am. But, uh, we we instituted a couple uh, three years ago. We started sending two people because I wanted to, them to come back and be able to talk to each other about the ideas they heard at the executive leadership program and institute some of this stuff. And, and that's working too. And 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 then I I ask for volunteers for research teams. I I always have more than we need in CII. I ask for volunteers for the benchmarking reviews. Uh, or the knowledge base reviews, excuse me. Uh, I got two guys on the board of advisors. Uh, I'm on the facility healthcare committee. Uh, I guess we got probably out of the 85 people in uh, Office of Planning, Design, and Construction, probably 30 or 35 of them have had some direct contract contact with CII and, and used or learned something from CII. So it's 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 great to be able to have a, a group of people that they don't say CII. They say, they come back and talk about pre-project planning or they'll come back and talk about BIM or something, you know, or database. So it, it's great to have a, a cadre of people who are speaking the same language. And that's another thing that I get help from 
by by pushing the CII part of our uh, culture. Absolutely. Are there any things that you'd recommend to other organizations that want to start getting their their team involved? Uh, some of the pushback sometimes is, you know, we don't have the time, or if I'm, my team is already hard pressed. Uh, we are already furiously trying to solve problems as we go, put out fires. How can I afford to send my key staff to these events or participate in these research studies? Yeah, I, I felt that way too around uh, 10, 15 years ago. And I, I said, I don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. But you know what? Just take the uh, FRED system or the pre-project planning system we developed, that, that is saving us time. We're not looking for seven different cost estimates anymore. They're all right there in the system. We're not looking for what the scope is there anymore. It's right there in the system. The lessons learned program. I, I don't have to ask or beg these people to, to participate in it. And, and if it saves me 50,000 bucks on every single project, I've not only saved money, I've saved time doing change orders. So. I feel it, the more I can get people to, to think about and focus on best practices, the more time I'm saving and it gives them more time for other things. So I, I'm sorry, I, I don't uh, fully support, hey, I don't have enough people or I don't have enough time. You got to, it's like I learned when I was uh, in the army, uh, you got to take care of people, processes and communications. And uh, I can tell you, CII sure takes uh, gives me the ideas I need for the the processes and part of the communications, and that both helps me give my my people more time and helps me save money. So I I think if you you got to make a commitment, you got to say we're going to do this. We're going to. There's a lot of smart people in CII. We got to. They they've already figured out the answers to a lot of our problems. Let's quit trying to figure out the answers to our problems. Let's go to CII. Let's listen. Let's talk to people. Let's come back with the solution and try it ourselves. And, and I, I, think I, I think we save time by doing that. Absolutely. That's very well said, Walt. I think this articulates well what the, what the hope is behind having all these resources available, these opportunities to, to share these best practices and lessons learned and, and the tools that exist there. Thank you so much for your time today on the podcast. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. We know that you're you're quite busy, but also highly engaged. And thank you so much for uh, delegating the time to be able to do this and not only share with your team, but share with all of um, all of the CII membership. Thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure. And I hope everybody, if anybody's listening, I hope you come and visit Smithsonian and look me up. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.